Welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF. This week I will be talking to my beautiful friend and kind, wise, fellow grey area drinking coach, Heidi Nicole. We are going to be talking about we're answering a few questions from um, people who watch the Instagram live we were part of around what do we do with our teenagers if they are getting pressure from peers to drink. Also, we talked a little bit about what happens and what our thoughts are around when you have a data point slap, slip up, slap, relapse, whatever you want to call it. Um, so we go into that a little bit and then Heidi has some really great thoughts and we just chew the fat a little bit about our own experience um, bringing up teenagers in today's world as alcohol-free parents. So without further ado, I hand you over to myself and Heidi. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying, it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. Heidi from uh, Sober Lifestyle Coach. Is that right, Heidi? That's yeah. right. Hi. Hi, everybody who's joining us. Hi, Andrea. <laughs> Andrea's there. That's so cute. Hi. Um, so Heidi and I trained together in Jolene Park's um, Grey Area Drinking uh, training, which is where we met. And we have become very good friends since then. We've in our um, Marco Polo group together with a couple of the other um, people who trained with us as well, who we connected with well. And so we kind of support each other and we are friends. And Heidi and I both have um, kids who are uh, sort of in their teens and tweens. And we thought it would be really fun to come on and have a chat about um, how that looks when you are alcohol-free and, you know, some of the things that we struggle with, which will be universal. Um, and so that, you know, like everything, it's so important that um, we feel like we're not alone. Um, and so with that, I will ask Heidi to introduce yourself, herself and um, tell us a little bit of, yay! Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waving to people yeah. now. And tell oh, us a little bit that. about herself. Over to you, Heidi. Well, thank you so much for having me, Emma. This is um, one of those topics I feel like we always end up chatting about, and it comes up a lot with my own clients. And so a little bit about me is that I am a sober lifestyle coach because it's not just about giving up the alcohol. The lifestyle piece is also part of it, and that includes um, – me working with women in varying capacities, but I work with a community, I work with one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I, I empower women and support them in order to kind of, as they're giving up the drink or giving up alcohol, to create a new lifestyle um, changes in their life. And so it's a more of a whole health approach because it's easy just to stay in that nightly drink routine, but this is about creating um, the, your best life for yourself. And we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm sure why that's so important when, especially when you're um, a parent. Yes. Um, and so that's what I do on a day to day. That's awesome. And what, what, what sort of took you, what was your path to become this amazing coach that you are now? <laughs> 
I feel like it's still going. So I don't think that there's ever a start point or a ending point, which I think is, is a mindset for me in order to keep me moving. Um, but also it happened, um, you know, I was in the military for 20 years in the Air Force mm -hmm. as a medic, and that was a really demanding, really um, busy lifestyle, which took me away from my children quite a bit. And so there was a constant um, guilt, a constant shame, and I hid a lot of it in alcohol. Yes. And so yes. behind it, I hid behind alcohol, I guess you could say. And then I also had convinced myself that alcohol made me a better parent because I was more fun and I was like laughed more and I, you know, got more done. And, and in reality, it just wasn't true. These were the lies that um, alcohol was, you know, led, led yeah, me to yeah. believe. Um, and so then I gave it a good go. I mean, I gave it a go a few times in order to give up and I did take breaks. I've, I've taken several breaks. And finally, one day I woke up and it was more of a, I was thinking about this recently, so I'm glad you asked this, but it was one of those situations where I finally was like, I think I can do it. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel like this was like put, put on me. Yeah. I thought it was more of an opportunity or something I could like take and like see what happened to my life yeah. and see why not? Why not? You know, it was one of those things where um, I did a ton of research um, and wanted to not leave my family. So I didn't go into rehab. But what I did is I read all the books, listened yeah. to all the podcasts, like many of us, you know, yeah. um, I just did a ton of research on my own. And I think once you learn the things that you learn, once you just Google something yes. about alcohol and your health, for example, and you can't unlearn it. It just kind yeah, of sits right. in there and marinates. Um, and so that was the first time I felt like this, there was like a tipping point, you know, yeah. um, where I felt like, okay, I'm going to give this one a go. And I made it to 60 days, which was the longest I had done. And yeah. I finally um, was like, you know what, I'm going to see if I can do this with other people. I needed a community. Yeah which yeah. is why I created the community that I have now, because yes. it was a, it was the spark in my journey that really took me to another level, I think, where I felt, you know, my husband still drank occasionally at that point, yeah. although I was, I count myself very lucky mm -hmm. in that regard, because I know that there's a lot of um, partners out there that are mismatched when it comes to that. And so I found myself yeah. like, going, okay, I'm going to do this. Can you do it with me a bit, yeah. you know? Um, but I kept going and yeah. he didn't. And that is yeah. it. But you'd be surprised what the example has done today. Yeah. You know, what the example that I've led. But then I just kept going and kept going and kept going. And then I decided after I retired from the military that I wanted to help others. Yes. You, you know, that needed like holding hand or just a cheerleader in their corner or support or whatever they need yeah. in order to kind of also get to that next level. And that's where I am today. So, yeah, that's almost amazing. six years. Maybe we'll be six years alcohol free. Woohoo! I know. I can't believe it. I'm pumped out for you, <laughs> That's amazing. That's Thank you. Thank that's you. Great. That's so awesome. We've had a couple of questions um, oh. from the people who are watching us, which is exciting. So, we've got one here. I think it's from Yolanda. Um, so we've got, how did you get over a really bad relapse and feeling super regretful about what you did? So that might be a nice one for us to answer. Yeah, that's such a good one. Um, I think what comes with, you know, slip ups is that we feel like, and, I, and I'd love, love to hear your viewpoint. On yeah, it. yeah. And I think we've talked about it before, but just, yeah. Um, another spin is that I feel like we always think, and I did the same thing that I had to go, okay, I'm back to, you know, the day one, if you want to name yeah. a day or back to the beginning. And that's why I always say, once I learn something, there's like a knowing within you, then there's no unlearning it. Yeah. Um, as well as there's so much data and knowledge that we pick up along the way. Like why is a big question. Yeah we forget to ask ourselves. Yes. 
instead of asking why, we go guilt, shame, guilt, shame, guilt, shame, guilt, shame, guilt, shame. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it just builds and builds and builds. And so that closes us off instead of opens us up. And yeah. opening us up allows like the learning opportunities of like, what could I have done different? And I think that that's a big one when it comes to slip ups, which, cause they are, they're just learning points. That's exactly learning, right. You know, that's along exactly the way. You're right. I hope that. And I think exactly, yeah, absolutely. And exactly like Heidi says, I mean, for me, a slip up or a data point, or I know in some groups they call them a reset. Mm -hmm. It's such an opportunity to learn. And it's one of those things that it almost has to happen in mm -hmm. order for you to learn what was the reason that it happened, like Heidi says. And we're so quick to jump to self-flagellation and there's something wrong with me. And that's exactly what we don't need at that time. What we need at that time is to go, curiosity, isn't that interesting? That's so interesting. So there's something there for me to learn about myself, about my needs, about what's, you know, mm -hmm. what triggers me and, you know, where my nervous system gets dysregulated because that's all it is at the end of the day. It's not mm -hmm. a, it's not a, you know, it's not, it's got no, uh, nothing on your moral character or your right. strength right. as a human. It's just a, a, another piece of information mm -hmm. that you can then use to build the life that you want to create would be my um, my thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. You said a couple things about opportunity, and I think that that's exactly what it can be. Yeah. Um, if we allow it, if we allow yeah. it, I think it can be. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Hyde. I think that you and I are pretty aligned in these things. Um, so I hope that was helpful. Um, for Yolanda because I know often we can make ourselves seem bad but really it never is mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with us and that's one of the key things in everything that we do is like there's nothing wrong with you there's just sets of circumstances and history and things mm -hmm. that you just have to learn and mm -hmm. and 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 then you'll you'll move through it you know it really yeah. is um it's it's that self-flagellation that causes us I agree. The biggest problem. Yeah. Comp yeah. Comparison yes. can come up a lot when it comes to these situations. Like, for example, I tried to do in the very beginning, just like Holly Whitaker, for example, like doing yes. exactly everything as she would do or she told us to do because I mm. went through one of her courses. Mm. And I think sometimes it's, a again, another opportunity to go, what worked and what didn't work? Yeah. You know? do yeah. I enjoy like a big one that would always come up I hate drinking lemon water in the morning I'm like don't drink it in the morning <laughs> you know for example yeah. like if your routines that you've been doing you're like I don't even like this yeah and I think that is a big indicator of like just trying something different yeah yeah that's a really good point because we can often often comparison keeps us stuck mm -hmm. and I think that's probably going to be one of the themes that we have yeah. today's um call is around you know that idea of fitting in and 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 belonging and the idea of you know comparing ourselves to other people and finding mm -hmm. ourselves wanting and often in the alcohol free space when you've got clients it's um people compare themselves to other people and you know like all of social media people only tend to share the successes and don't and are loath to share the, the times where they stumble and yet actually it's the times we stumble that gives us the greatest growth and make and gives everybody else such That's a gift as well isn't it? yeah it's so true it really is yeah. Really yeah. Um, and just in answer to your question Yolanda mine was always my main ones were I'd be trying to take a break for like for, um, eight weeks and I wouldn't be able to I'd get to four weeks or I'd get to six weeks and then I'd end up, you know, drinking something just because it was there. It was usually quite disgusting because um, usually what you've got in the house <laughs> when you're not drinking is, is really gross. <laughs> and um, it was, I think the thing that changed for me was that sort of changing the attitude and understanding that I wasn't to blame. I wasn't at fault. Mm -hmm. And that, um, 
yeah there was there was a there there there'll be a, we do everything for a reason right it's mm -hmm. there'll be a reason why we're doing something and it's not generally to do with us being a bad person or defective in any way exactly exactly yeah. And then the other question we had, Hyde, which I'll offer to you, is from Rebecca, and she says, I'd love for you to discuss the challenges, and I'm guessing this is for, for kids, but possibly for adults as well, of um, providing useful exit strategies for teens when they might be getting peer pressure. Hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, I think this is... I mean, I could take this any way, right? So, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, have you dealt with this recently? I haven't dealt with this currently. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. those things I think that eventually comes. I mean, the, I, I think the, the peer pressure that I've dealt with, if you're, if you're asking about specific alcohol, I don't actually, yeah. I mean, I think it would be one of the things that, and I'm very honest with my kids about. Mm. Um, yes alcohol and I what's funny is they are you know in there I mean I, I'm in the US and so one of the things they do in their health classes is they discuss it they discuss the dangers of it just like they yes. you know discuss the dangers of cigarettes with us yeah it's it's not um they do use terms that I don't always agree with but I feel like that's getting down in the nitty-gritty at their age but I yeah. think that they are getting a bit more than what I got you know when Definitely. it came to to, um, you know, just a basic education of what alcohol does to you. Yeah. But I do think when it comes to peer pressure, I mean, we can go right into kind of what um, we had talked about previously, Emma, and that yeah. is that belonging versus, um, I think the fit, yeah, the fitting in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think peer pressure, they have to be able to choose, do I want to fit in or do I want to be me? Yeah. Is, is being me okay? Yeah. And I think when we don't feel like, whether it comes to adults or teens, kids, you name it, when we don't feel that we are enough, it's, yeah. we'll go the, the least, you know, the path of least resistance, which is the mm -hmm. way everyone else is going. Yes. And so when we can stand steady, grounded, you know, notice when we're activated, notice when yeah. we are um, getting to that, our wall or that point where we're like, okay, I don't feel good enough being me, I need to either change yeah. the state or do something that I don't want to do necessarily. Because usually, yeah. um, maybe I've read too many books or watched too much TV, but the kid usually doesn't want to do that thing. Yeah. It's for, for attention or for validation, comfort, yeah. belonging, yeah. those types of things fitting in. And I, um, and so that's just my, my, the beginning of the conversation. I think we could say a lot more on that, but I'd love to hear what yeah. you have, Emma. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because I think you're right. It goes back to this belonging and fitting it, this belonging mm -hmm. and fitting in, and that sort of tribal need, that sort of intrinsic mm -hmm. need to want to belong because or want to fit in, so that we don't get abandoned by the yes. tribe. Um, and so it's very, um, it's very hardwired in us to. So it's actually quite hard and particularly for our young people who are moving away from the family home and you know it's part of their development is to um you know be finding their own people and becoming independent and stuff like that and i wonder it's i i, I think there's a really interesting thing about um giving kids the ability to choose mm -hmm. as well and I think if kids also, and again, this is just my opinion, but I think it's harder for kids to stand in their authenticity. I mean, it's bloody hard anyway, right? But it's harder for kids to stand in their own authenticity if they don't have much agency at home. Mm. I think if at home they... Are in quite a controlling environment. I think it, and they're used to having to suppress their experience and their needs. I think it's easier for them to, to express 
they've got used to having to express to suppress what their their needs and thoughts are and i think that that actually makes them more vulnerable to other people saying come and do something you might not want to do push down your instant gut reaction that it's not something i want to do right so i think that's something to be a little bit mm-hmm. cautious about and then the other thing i think is giving them a safe escape route and i do this with my kids and i still worry though you know and i'm oh, yeah. you know who knows if, who knows if we get this right um and we'll probably won't ever find out or if we do we'll find out way after the fact because mm-hmm. i always think with teenagers there's you know whatever you do you're going to get it wrong <laughs> know whatever you do um but there's something in giving them that sense of safety that you won't be angry with them Mm -hmm. if they come to you and they've screwed up or if they need an escape route you know that you can say you know whatever happens i would always be able to pick you up Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. just have to text me and say come get me now it doesn't matter where you are doesn't matter what time it is I won't ask any questions I won't make you feel bad but I will always I can make up some excuse I can whatever we need to do I can do um would be something um but I think it's that I think there's something about encouraging their sense of self Mm -hmm. and not in our own because it can be it's so easy as parents i'm sorry i'll stop talking in a second hide no i feel like i'm talking too much but it's so easy as a parent to be worried to be fearful for our children and so we're like oh tame yourself down tone yourself down you don't want to stand out you want to fit in as well you know because we that's kind of how our parents were with us too and actually it was interesting i was going to give an example because Bug went off to school today in full Susie Sue, like kiss makeup to school. Right, not the right thing, not the right thing. <laughs> it was school photo day. I was like, they've been sending so school many messages. And school photo day. Yeah. They've been sending so many messages. Like, can everyone just wear their uniform properly and just look normal? <laughs> So Bug's got full Susie Sue makeup, and I'm like, oh god! I'm like, Bug, can you, um, can you like just tone it down a bit today? And he and he was like, Do you know what, Mum? I'm okay if they tell me off for wearing my makeup the way I'm doing it because I it's hard, hard enough being me some days at school. And I want to stand in my own self. This is me. And I'm okay to take the punishment if that is what happens. And then I was just like, you know what? Okay, that's fine. You do it. Let's do it. That's your decision. It's a grown-up decision. It's about your identity. Like, I, I, you know, we can say these are the rules. And if you understand that there's consequences to those rules and you're prepared to accept them. But there was part of me that goes, I'm not going to try and force him to um, suppress himself, you know? I I probably sound like the biggest, like, woo-woo, liberal, like... There's not a rule book for this, though. There's not... I mean, I always say, like, I wish... But then again, I don't know, because then I would just judge myself against the rule book. But there's not a rule book. Of course, you. I, I was the mom that, you know, my ki- literally my kid said the other day, quit reading about parenting. Quit. <laughs> because it's like they are all each their own mold. They all have their own mold. They were all created uniquely. And it is like, I can't, I don't know. And I think sometimes we just don't know. We do the best that we can. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know that the, I, I don't, there's no rule there. There's no That's rule. You know? That's it. But I think That's what it. you said too, and I, about the exit strategy, just go back one more little thing is that it's mm-hmm. the same thing with us, right? If I'm going to a social event 
and I have it planned and I expect to use an exit strategy, it will fall away. So yes. I feel like the planning, that planning yes. is going to be so important when it comes to having that conversation. Yeah. Um, even being prepared if they know there's going to be alcohol there or if they yeah. know there's going to be, you know, something there or if they are like we have been many times. Yeah. You know, you're surprised with, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize there was going to be a keg there. Right. Yeah. Or I didn't yeah. they were there was going to be whatever. Um, and I think just planning for those situations can yeah. be really it's like the key. If there's no planning, even when it comes to us. Right. If there, if I haven't planned what I'm going to eat, and you know, and I'm go out and I've been shopping all day and I'm starving and I grab the first thing, then I my exit strategy did not work because I didn't plan. So, and I, so I hope that that is helpful because I think that that's a big one. But I think it's huge, and I would never have thought of that, Hyde. I would never have thought yeah. of that. I think that's huge. Yeah, I think planning. Preparing and planning is your first step always. <laughs> plan, yeah. prepare, prepare, plan, fair. I mean, it's like, it has to be. Um, and then maybe we all can even come up with an exit strategy together. That's it. Like, what would you, well, the choice, and you go back to the choice, right? What would you feel most comfortable with? Would you want me to call you? Would you, yeah. or do you want me to check in with you at this time? Or do you want to call me yeah. or whatever? Um, and I think yeah. that because mine's getting ready to be driving soon and it scares the living daylights out of me. Yeah. Because yeah, there's extra freedom there. There's extra yeah. independence there. Yeah. And so reach out. I'll probably be, have a really good answer for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or be crying oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think that planning, though, yeah. is such an important thing, isn't it? Because that's what we say to clients when they're going to um an event is like you know have a plan have an exit strategy well yes doesn't that apply for our kids as well that's Absolutely. a really really good point a really good and point I think it opens up the conversation like are they curious about it like is that yeah. what's going on maybe there's something underneath there yeah. um or you know are they curious about drugs or alcohol in a way that you didn't yeah. even realize you know totally. so it can open up a big conversation just that planning piece Absolutely, absolutely. I was giggling actually. With great question. It was, it was a really good question, question wasn't it? And I loved your answer. I hadn't even thought oh. about that planning thing. That was really good. That was really good. Um, I was just laughing because I was thinking about we had um, my eldest friends around for New Year's Eve. So me and Damien stayed home and they came around and it was so sweet they were like because they're like 14 15 they just they bought soft drinks and they bought um you know snacks and they were like all out in the garden having a lovely time and me and my husband were in the like shed <laughs> pretending not to spy on them um but it reminded me of when i was a kid at the same sort of age we had and we drank um in my house we were allowed to have beer as um you know, like teenagers. And, and I remember my dad saying, if anyone brings any hard liquor, that's it, they're out. And I remember someone did, of course they did. Of course they did. And so my dad came down, downstairs and was like, right, everyone out, the party's over. And I remember being so humiliated and being like, oh God, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. so embarrassing. Um, but in retrospect now as an adult, I'm like, of course he did. We were like 1650. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I was just thinking, oh my goodness, my kids actually, I think that their generation is just a little bit less. And I know it's not all across, across the board because I know that in my kids' friends, there are kids who are, you know, going out and drinking mm -hmm. and smoking like I was yes. at the same age. But I've been lucky so far, touch wood, that that's not been, um, but I'm sure that will come. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. I've, heard, I've heard stories there was a recently a group of boys like drove up to one of the basketball games and they were completely blitzed you yeah. know yeah um it's out there and I think that just having those conversations is going to be really key yeah. yeah 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 and I think being honest about your own experience like I told I didn't tell Bug about the drinking side of it but I told her the story <laughs> yeah. but uh, him um 
but yeah it's that honesty as well it's like being a bit honest about because i think if we make out to our children that we're perfect then they think they have to be as well or they can't tell us anything don't they right right yeah yeah that's a good point i think we forget that we are human as well and yeah um, that they are human and they have big emotions and we have big yeah. emotions we're not necessarily going to have them on the same day yeah the same time for the same okay. length um and, and so it is really interesting for them to be able to see us with our emotions but also work through the emotion yes and whether that looks like i mean i remember telling my kids one day i had taken them right i i think i was probably around six months without alcohol and i had taken them on a trip and it was just them them two and i and i was maybe yeah. 10 12 or something like that and uh maybe even younger maybe like eight and nine or seven and nine and mm -hmm. i um was like having a hard time and I was like I really want to have a drink right now and yeah. my, my oldest was like mommy don't do it <laughs> the fact that they can see me struggle and I was like thanks yeah I'm good let's get yeah. going you know that's and I'm, that's human. I don't know yeah. that everyone could do that with their children I yeah you know I do think that sometimes it can be honest conversations you know 100%. whether it's like I am going, you know, and so they, like, for example, mine don't see me exercise mm -hmm. because I do it when they're not here. Mm -hmm. But so for me to have that conversation with them, like, oh, guess what I did today? Or I went here, or I did this, or I'm going to do this tomorrow, just so they see it and they know it, yeah. uh, or they see what I eat. I mean, they see, they watch you. Yeah, they do. They watch you like eagle eyes, you know, yeah. how you react what you eat, what you drink, how you, you know, um, how you move your body, everything, everything. Yeah, totally. And, and out of interesting, when you're talking about that, I was thinking, um, I've been working with a group recently and we've been talking about, you know, how do you deal with any, because you've been alcohol-free for six years, right? Almost. Mm -hmm. Almost. Yeah. Uh, another little... Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously you were drinking at some point when you had your kids, your kids mm. were alive when you were still drinking. And we were talking in this, in my group about how do you deal with, you know, um, your regrets around having been a person who was drinking with your kids? How do you... Yeah. How do you reconcile that with yourself? I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are. So it still comes up. It's still yeah. something that I think, um, I don't fall to my knees every time now, but it mm. does come up. And I think it's, I think now it comes up as a reminder of why I am where I am today yeah. versus look at what you did, you know? Yes. And I think that, um, again, a, a mindset shift or just a, a little um, deviation of that thought coming in and then repurposing it, for lack yes. of a better way to explain that. Yeah. But I do think that it is really hard in the beginning. And I yeah. think it's just like, um, and I wish I could quote exactly what um, Brene Brown says about guilt but i believe she says something to the extent of guilt is that you did something wrong is when yes. you did something wrong versus shame is like either something you picked up you're or wrong else or you're wrong yes yeah, something's yeah. wrong with me inherently yeah. and one there's nothing wrong with us no. and two when it comes to the guilt we are i think I think we we like to live there mm. in the past and so mm. when we continue to live there it's really difficult if mm. if at all to move forward or to be in the present yeah. i think i battle that a lot and reconcile that with moving to where i am right now like literally Absolutely. down at my feet i'm in this kitchen right now making this cup of tea like doing this thing you know i smell it i mean like literally bringing myself to a present because I think when we go to guilt, it does activate our nervous system because we'll go Definitely. to that fight or flight. Like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Um, whether it's yeah. right after a morning of, yes. you know, we've 
book that and we're like, oh my gosh, I did it again. Yeah. Or six years later and I have that feeling, I can feel it in my body, you know, yeah. that guilt totally. feeling. Because I did do things wrong. There were yeah. things I did yeah. that were against my values that to me were wrong. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that, whether you're drinking or not, I think everyone experiences guilt. But I do think what I did, you know, I did things wrong. when I, yeah. And so that is something that I do have to reconcile. But it comes to just being aware of what it feels like. Yeah. Um, knowing that I, I realize I'm activating my nervous system, you know, and that fight or flight when it comes and how how I can bring myself back back yeah such a good tool isn't it that mm -hmm. I really I really yeah yeah my favorite right now that. my favorite mm. tool I'll share right now real quick about yeah. when I get into that moment and maybe it's guilt maybe it's that I've maybe it's I've gotten angry with the kid yeah the kids or that my husband are just frustrated or overwhelmed yeah. or stressed is that four seven eight breath um, and that is, you know, is, and I tell my clients all the time, we're talking in the, my community this month, we're talking about practices and tools. Yes. And so this one came up. And so it's been the one I've been practicing so far this month, more than free, more than usual. Yes. And as long as I get that longer exhale, I'm tricking my body, yeah. right? I'm tricking my nervous system to think I'm calm. And so yeah. naturally follow your body, you know, yeah. my body will follow my breath. And so I think that that's one that just knowing that it works is so helpful. Yeah. And so can you talk us through yeah. it, Heidi, yeah. for those who don't know? Yeah, absolutely. So it's called the four, seven, eight breath. And what I do, and I know it can be done where you hold your breath for four, breathe in for eight, mm -hmm. out for, uh, breathe in for seven, out for mm -hmm. eight. But I like mm -hmm. to do where you breathe in for four, hold for seven, and breathe out for eight. And I try to do it all through the nose because that's, you know, it's better for us in some way. I mean, look at, yeah. <laughs> but I do think that when we can get a longer exhale, whether it's any, any numbers, you know what I mean? Yeah. As long as we get that longer exhale is really important. So the end for yeah. four, hold for seven, and then out for eight. I love it. Yeah, it's that exhale, isn't it? That it is. Okay. It really is. Yeah. And when yeah. I, I um, when I first learned that about you know our nervous system, well, because that's one of the things. If you think about when you go into even our kids, yeah, I mean, switch it back when we go in when they go into fight or flight or that activated yeah. state, our heart rate speeds up, our breathing speeds up. You know, I will start sweating. Well, you know, you yeah. name it. They do the same thing when they're yeah. having their tantrum onto. When they're yelling and screaming at us, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. <laughs> you don't understand me, yeah. you know, like that. And the breathe, the breathing gets more rapid. And I think when we can get them to practice these things, and we practice these things, yes. um, I think we have to practice them in order to be able to use them in the moment. And yes. So, so we and because I would love to be able to pull out all the things I know when I need them the most. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know, right? I know, I know. I actually had an interesting one with my um, my eldest the other day when we were on our way to school, where she was in a he was in a bit of a panic attack because he was worried about just you know just how hard sometimes it is just being him going into school, and he was like having a bit of a panic attack, and we just sort of sat for a minute and was like hold his hold his hand and sat and did some breathing together. And now that wouldn't work with my youngest. My youngest would be like, I don't want to do this with you. Yeah. But my eldest was open to it. Mm -hmm. And then once he'd calmed down, we'd get into the what's happening, what's, yeah. you know, what's, what's coming up for you. But it's a great breath. is such an important one, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Yeah. You just mentioned yeah. something that was really important that I think I – didn't realize when I first had my kids is how different they would be. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? So different. They're like, it's like you learn different. how to do one and then you've got another one who's completely different. <laughs> completely different. Completely different. Yeah. And then I'm like, um, and then you hear things. This is what I hear sometimes. Um, 
let me word it correctly because I, I, I've got a lot of things going on and that I hear. And so it's yeah. where I hear, um, I've literally heard you love him better. You oh. love her better from both yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, are you talk, you spend more time with this one. You spend more time with mm -hmm. that. One. And I'm like, so that mm -hmm. hurts, right? That's one of those, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh my gosh, that hurts. Am I doing this? And you start doing this thing. I've done that. Yes, I did that. Yeah. I went, took them somewhere by themselves, didn't take them. And so it's playing, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly playing this, um, making it fair game. Yeah. They both, both have different needs. Right. They both have different, so really that's a cry of attention. Like, I just want to be with you, or I just yeah. want you to acknowledge me or see me. Yeah. It really sometimes has nothing to do with the other that I've figured out for me. And it could be that, it, mm -hmm. you know, I've done that. Believe me, I've totally done that where I just am like, yeah. along a little bit more than the other. Yeah. Nothing I'm necessarily proud of, but it sometimes happens. Yeah, it does. But they are so different in us. So I think we beat ourselves up a lot, again, mm. by not, by thinking we can parent one better than the other or yeah, um, just by not doing it a certain way. Or we hear those personal attacks, especially yeah. with those tween teens. Um, yeah. And not taking them personal is really hard. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so it is really about them. You know, it really is about them, what they yes. need in that moment. Yeah. Yes. And it's so, um, like you say, I think that's probably one of the greatest things for me about being alcohol-free in this life stage with the kids is that yeah. that tiny moment of pause that you get from being alcohol-free that you don't, that I found that was one, for me, that was the greatest revelation in being alcohol-free was the fact that I got a second in between what was happening and how I reacted to it. Yeah. Well, that's such a good point because when we're drinking nightly, we tend to live in a, I'll go back to that activated state. Mm. So it, it just puts us in such a, our body is trying to catch up. And so mm. it puts us in a sort of out of balance, you know, so we're yeah. just not regulated. Yeah. And so when we are more regulated yeah. um, or working towards that, I think it, that allows us that pause. Yeah. We are calmer. We're more um, in tune to, okay, let me breathe here and then I can react or whatever yes. it is. And I, I love that you noticed that. And I think that that's a really good data point that you mm. picked up from not drinking mm -hmm. is that I, mm -hmm. I get this pause. This pause is yeah. not because of that. Yeah, I love. Yeah, it's yeah, it was. I think when I first um, took a break, that was one of the things. Even though I struggled the the first few times I tried to take breaks, and I'm sure this is everybody's story. There's not a single person who doesn't have this, yeah. or otherwise they're like some amazing unicorn genie <laughs> person. But and they're out there. Quite, yeah, I'm sure they are, and they're probably all perfect <laughs> on Instagram. And we're like, oh, we don't like you. <laughs> Oh, it's too much. I was oversharing. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but it's so true, isn't it? Because yeah. when people are like perfect, you're like, oh God, they're not at all like me. I don't know how, you know, like, and that's how you get that comparison thing, isn't it? And that belonging thing. It's like, we see everybody with these, you know, pristine lives and we're all trying to be this pristine life, but it's not pristine people yeah. that we love and care about. It's, it's people like you and me, right? We, yes. we love each other because we love each other when we get on Marco Polo and we might be having a cry. Yes. We're not going to not love each other because we're human. Right. We're going to love each other more, right? right. Absolutely. And, and then, and you bring that up and I think of like exactly what my 15 year old is seeing on social media, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And granted, she doesn't have full access to anything. She has to use my moment yeah. to get to Instagram. Yeah, yeah. But I think that it's one of those things where I'm like, what is she watching? And what is she looking at? And what is she seeing that is influencing her yes. way? Um, and, and what they see in today's world, mostly on YouTube, on TikTok, on yeah. 
um, Instagram, on Snapchat, people aren't taking bad pictures of themselves at that age and posting them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like scary. It Well, it worries me. It is scary, but it also worries me because I constantly have to go, but look at me. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not perfect. And you know, and being okay in that part, I struggle with that, right? I struggle that with, with myself. It's like, how do I show them it's okay to be them? Yeah. I mean, of course I tell them and, and they, they know I love them for just the way they are, but how they do are. I have them separate that piece, you know, mm. of mm. it's, th that's not real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, exactly. that, that, exactly. that hard. Yeah. And those people are killing themselves to, to, to create this facade, you know, and we were like, I, before yes. I had my big breakdown and, and, you know, left my career, um, I was literally, so the reason I was drinking and drinking so much coffee and just being in a total state of fight or flight was because I was trying to be all of these completely impossible things, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so true. It's so true. Um, yeah. That's such a hard one. And I think that we live in this state sometimes of trying, I don't know if it's that. And I, I know for me, it was that I had this like vision of myself that I thought I should be. Yes. And it was unattainable. Yes. Like, Completely. and it still is unattainable, even without <laughs> alcohol. Like yes. it's not. And to be honest with you, I don't even want to be her. No. She and seems I think like she might be a bit annoying. Yes. Like. <laughs> Totally she's stuck so up, like very unapproachable, very inauthentic, very, you know, put together all the time. And I can't be, I don't want to be that way. No. It's not that I can't, but it's not sustainable either. Yeah. And I feel like when our kids, our kids probably have this version of that as well. I should probably ask this. Yeah. Yes. Like they have this version of themselves. Like, for example, my, this is my 13 year old son. Mm -hmm. He is, loves exercising and like yes. this, I mean, for his age, it's not, it, I don't think it's abnormal. I mean, he plays mm -hmm. football, he's sporty, yeah. he like really um, wants to eat well and yeah. exercise and do these things. But he literally is, he's like five, six and probably weighs 118 pounds. Mm -hmm. He's not huge, yeah. and, but, but I, I need to get my abs back. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, they're right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it is one of those things where I'm like, where does he think that as a 13 year old, he's supposed to have washboard abs? Yeah. Like, where did he see this? Where did he hear this? Um, and it is one of, it has to be, where else? On the yeah. internet, in some way, shape, yeah. or form, or technology, yeah. some way, shape, or form. Um, and so, yeah, it's, how do we do that? And I think mm. if I was still drinking right now as an almost mm. 50 year old woman mm. going through the hormone changes I'm going through yeah. with teens and wanting and still wanting to like fit in sometimes and belong yeah, and validate myself and regulate my own nervous system. I don't know what I would do if I was drinking. Yeah. I literally yeah. don't know. Yes, exactly. It's so hard, isn't it? It's it almost really, like the drinking allows us to be able to cope with this stuff, or it feels yeah, like it does, it does. Um, with this completely impossible expectation. And we think, you know, even as adults, like, and, and I know it must be the same for you, Hides, but when I'm working with women like myself who are um, still struggling with alcohol, that often people will be going really really well and then something will happen that's to do with a social situation that's to do with somebody offering them somebody buying them a really fancy bottle of wine and then not wanting to be rude or something you know somebody it, it's that sort of I don't want to be rude I want to fit in I want to be part of it I don't want to draw attention to myself you know the things that our, our teens and, and tweens um, suffer with it's exactly the same for adults you know isn't it it's, it's, uh, it really is and I feel like um, and I want to say it was Jolene that taught 
me this during our time when we were in her training, but she was talking about pain and how pain, any type of pain, whether it's emotional, physical, mental, yeah. um, that fear of rejection, that fear of not being mm. valid, not belonging, is a reason mm. why, or a not, one of the biggest reasons why we'll then reach for alcohol or a yeah. numbing mechanism. Or slip up because we're in a situation. Yeah. And if I'm in a situation, right, and I uh, probably should have listened to my intuition about not going out and yes. I go out anyway. Usually going or, out to please people anyway uh, as well. It's like perfect. somebody's expecting it. <laughs> And there's this pain of that fear of rejection always there, you know, and I think it, it can lead into us down into the depths of like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, a case of the ethics. (laughs) I'm going to give in, right? That's it. That's it. And nine times out of 10, I find it's when we're pushing through to do something for somebody else. Mm -hmm that we're so exhausted and again we're ignoring our intuition of what our nervous system what our body needs yeah. that's when we end up doing something that we wouldn't we, we didn't want to do you know because we're so tired and because we're trying to please people but we don't really want to do it and all that kind of stuff it's so, so true um, yeah yeah so true. yeah and I, so, I think it's why it's important to find that juxtaposition of connection that feels good. Yeah. That connection, that deep connection, that connection that lights us up, like connecting like this or, you know, um, how yes. we feel on Marco Polo or that um, where we can be ourselves, without that fear of shame, judgment, and, you know, that holds some accountability as well, I think. And I think that... Yeah that's belonging, you know, that's that connection where I feel, I feel it deep in my bones. Yeah, that I th- absolutely. It, I remember somebody saying to me, I don't even know whether it was a course that we went on together, but I remember somebody, oh, it was, it, I don't know who it was, it was Jay Fields. She said to me, you know how Michelle Obama walks into a room, she doesn't need to fit in. She belongs because she has her own, her essence yeah. is that wherever she is, she'll belong. And they were talking about that. So wherever you take yourself, yeah. you can belong anywhere. It's just that you have to belong to yourself first. So and I true. think for me, this journey has been all about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what a, what a gift in doing that and learning that, that we, that we give to our children as well. That's it. You know, that's it. It's such a, a such a gift of that belonging. Yeah. And that. Yeah. Belonging to yourself first. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Belonging to ourselves first, and that sort of. But there's it's so much there's so much tied up in all of that as well because even you know we know that putting ourselves first is really important and actually probably the most important thing but at the same time we've been conditioned to think that it's selfish so there's that as well isn't there it's so true i mean there's that image of you know putting on your life vest first or your oxygen mask first and yeah it does when you um in the big scheme of things i think our culture has taught us that's just selfish you need to give everything yeah. up to be um yeah. a parent yeah to be a mom and, or, you know, in some way, shape or form. And I do think that it's not, it's not. Yeah. And like you say, it's that we model, if we model that we look after ourselves first and we don't push on through and we honor our nervous system yeah. as much as possible, obviously there's going to be course. times when we have to, but of course. if we can model that, then that's probably one of the greatest gifts I think that we can give them. I agree. Mm. I do. I think that's mm. it. And yeah. so, and then they see, I mean, it, the modeling starts, it's already going on, right? The modeling's already going on, but they see yeah. you even crying. Yeah. So even like that first question about, um, you know, the slip up, like they see yeah. you getting back up and that's showing it. up for yourself again the next day. You know, that in and of itself is such an important message for kids of today, that building that brilliance, because it's such a instant gratification.
education culture that we live in and want a magic pill. I mean, us too. I mean, honestly, I want it now. I want this to work. I want to do this thing and it works. And I want this to work. I want the Wi-Fi to work all the time. I want my phone to work. I want everything to work all the time. And it just doesn't work all the time. And so that's why we keep showing up though, right? We keep showing up. We keep showing up. Keep trying. That's it. It's the magic. That's the magic sauce. That's it. Maybe that should be our slogan for this. Just keep trying. (laughs) I love it. True. And and what parent doesn't want their kids to know that? Look after themselves. Look after themselves to keep going, even though it's hard to to work through it. Try a different way. It's going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be all right. It will be. Will be. Thank you so much, Heidi. I'm just looking and I'm like, oh my goodness, we're nearly at an hour. Oh my goodness, me too. And I haven't oh, even asked you to tell everybody about your beautiful business, your offerings, because we've been talking about community. We've been talking about reaching out to people. And that is so important, isn't it? Do you want to talk a bit about generally about why community is so important and then maybe about your what you offer people? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think community is a piece that gets left behind. And I think a big piece of that is because of that shame and self-judgment and that self, you know, flagellation that we do. And how in the world could I ever share or even show up in a space with the things I've done, you know? Um, And so I needed that in my own life not only is connection a piece of the puzzle when it comes to regulating your nervous system, but it's also a piece of the puzzle with a, you know, a, a lifestyle, a whole health yeah. lifestyle, yeah. which is what I love to use when it comes to my own clients and in the community. And so I created this rooted in growth community and that's really what it's all about. It's about, you know, finding your groundedness in order to be able to grow in the way that wherever that is in your life, we don't always talk about alcohol, but they're, yes. because it's not just about alcohol, it's about so right. many other things. That's so it's it. a community of, you know, like-minded women that we meet once a week in order to kind of um, go over whatever's going on. We do a monthly teaching theme. Like I said, this month is all about our sober practices and like routines and rituals. Yeah. And yeah, it is just amazing. It's an intimate group. I will keep it below 20 probably, but yeah. it is a group for now that um yeah it's a private platform there's no facebook you know and it's just yeah it's a piece of the pie that i think is really important for you know people to be able to eventually you know step out and show up and have a hundred percent i think it's so important and there's so much that goes on in our lives um just having other women around us who's on the same path and who you can say you know I had a really shitty day today or you can celebrate your amazing successes or and you're not you know you you get to that place of safety with people don't you where you don't feel like you have to hide anymore and you can be who you really are and you realize everyone else is kind of similar and you're not some weird yeah (laughs) strange odd person Absolutely. Like it is one of the things that not only um, do I hear from the women that are in the in the community that it's what they look forward to each week, but it's something I look forward to. Um, And I think that it is just that connection, that touch point. You know, even if you sit there and don't say a word, sometimes it's just listening. Yeah. Yeah. And not feeling so alone. Yes. Yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. And it sounds amazing. And so how do people find that, Heidi, when they, how, how do they find you and how do they, how do they become part of your community? Yeah, so uh, you can find me right here on Instagram at Sober Lifestyle Coach. Um, mm-hmm. And then I talk about my community a lot, but you can also find it in my bio. And I do offer a five-day free trial. So that gives you usually a chance most of the time it will give you a chance to join in um, one of the Wednesday calls. Yes. And yeah, I mean, you can get started right away. There's stuff 
you have access to everything we've done since we started last May. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, it is chock full of information and stuff. But yeah, you can find me right here on Instagram or you can email me at hello, Heidi, at hello at HeidiNicoleCoaching.com. Brilliant. That's so cool. And what would you, what would your biggest advice from a parenting team as a uh, person like me who's walking alongside uh, other parents trying our hardest (laughs) to do as well as we can without being perfect what would your your favorite sort of piece of learning or something that you'd like to share with people be well I think it probably would be what we discussed kind of at the end is that Mm -hmm. I had to finally put value on me in order to take a step towards healing myself Mm. so I could be be present and I could be available for my kids. Yeah. Um, And I think it's easy. I am one of those moms that, you know, wants to cook every meal and wants to have a house, clean house and wants to help her do all the homework and wants to do all these things. And I think I had to get to the point where it's okay to let my husband help. It's okay to let them try to start it on their own. It's okay to not cook every night. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because sometimes I need to ask and going back to that, ask for help. I need, I need five minutes upstairs. Please just give me five minutes. Yeah. You know, I need 10 minutes to do this meditation. I need to go on a 30 minute walk, whatever that is. And just asking, you'd be surprised Mm -hmm. how, how much, folks will help and your kids will understand yes we think they do but they will yeah 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 that's the biggest one oh that's so lovely take care of yourself thank you yeah absolutely look after yourself that's it i think so too i think that is the biggest one too and just be human and just yeah fallible and let everyone know it's okay i'm sitting here red faced because it's hot in this room I'm sweating, (laughs) and I'm like, it is what it is. That's it. That's it. it. We are who we are, and I think the more that we can show up as ourselves in our, like, I went to take the kids to school today in my ridiculous jogging pants. Oh, I love them. (laughs) (laughs) Just being our silly, awkward, fun selves is, um, is is yeah. kind of what it's all about we're allowing we're giving our when we when we take the permission slip that's out there for the taking for us to be able to do that we are giving our kids a permission slip to do the same that's right. it that's it so totally it. wearing kitty cat pajama pants <laughs> to, to school <laughs> drop off not only that but emma it gives me permission to do the same the other you know parent here you know it really does and I think we, we it sometimes only takes one person to go well I'm so happy she does that too yeah thank god <laughs> thank god, thank god. Happy, <laughs> we can all go in our PJ yes <laughs> yes absolutely you're an angel we need each other you are too thank you so much for it's having been me so nice to be talking with you and we should do it again mm-hmm. for sure we will i'm sure oh my goodness guys here we are finally three months have gone past and it is time for the doors to open for the great aussie alcohol experiment live i am so excited this is my favorite program this is the program that made alcohol a small and irrelevant part of my life completely changed my life I have no I cannot even imagine living the life I was living before I did this program and it's been transformative for many many thousands and thousands of people this is my Aussie version Um, and what you get and why this is so special is you get daily content so you get education around alcohol around this our culture of shaming and blaming and we kind of really get into that and 
turn it all around so it becomes a very cool rebellious thing um we have daily coaching which is awesome so I do a little bit of teaching around um our limiting beliefs that we hold around alcohol and then I work individually with each uh, person who wants coaching every single day so if you're having a wobble if things are tough you know that at a certain point every day you can come on and chat we also have a beautiful Facebook community hugely supportive nourishing and as I said there's a daily content to your inbox and some journaling reflections to really bed your new transformational thought processes around alcohol and I'm going on about this is because it really changed my life and it took me from a place where I was having 30-day breaks that felt like hell to a 30-day break that felt like heaven and it felt like heaven because it became something I wanted to do rather than something that I felt like I had to do and I felt like I had done something wrong. There was something wrong with me. And this is all about, there's nothing wrong with you. Let's take a 30-day break. We don't have to make any decisions about what we're going to do with alcohol. You can do whatever you want at the end of it. There's no pressure. You can just go back to how you were before. You can um, put some tools in and try and moderate. You can um, take another break. You can move towards an alcohol-free six months, year. Everything is open, no shame, no blame, no judgment. It's a lot of fun. And also we do get into some pretty meaty subjects. So it's quite exciting as well. So if you found dry January and Feb fast made you feel a bit shitty about yourself and it felt like you were constantly in deprivation. We'll get into why you might be thinking that and why that's totally human and how you can change those thought processes in so many different ways. We'll talk about socializing. We'll talk about um, our, our, the, our cultural conditioning. And then we'll also talk about the facts about how alcohol works with our body. So if you are on the fence, don't be, jump on. It was the best money I ever spent on myself and I highly recommend you jump on we doors are open from the 20th and we close on the 28th of February the link is in the show notes um, I'm doing loads of lives in the lead up to it so make sure you hop on there I'm going to be popping out loads of podcast sessions as well it sounds like I'm popping out babies <laughs> it literally feels like that sometimes <laughs> anyway my lovelies I'll see you soon I hope to see you in the out experiment the great fuzzy alcohol experiment live last little notification in case you've missed this one we have a master class on the 27th of february um and that is going to be at 7 30 and it will be an hour long with q a's and it's all about the five surprising ways that Taking a break from alcohol can be effortless and change your life. So if you have time on that evening, you would like to join us. I would love to have you here. The link is in the show notes. See you soon, my friends. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.